You're listening to the podcast of Christ Walk Church in Fernandina Beach, Florida, where we exist to inspire people to follow Jesus every day. We hope that these messages encourage and challenge you to live for something more. If you'd like to know more about our church, you can find us online at thechristwalk.com. Thanks again for listening. Now here's today's message. Come on, Christ Walk Church. How's everybody doing this morning? It is so, so good to see you all and be with you all today. I'm excited about today's message. If you've got uh, a Bible or um, perhaps a smart device, I want to encourage you to swipe with me or turn with me to um, the New Testament book of 1 John. This is not to be confused with the New Testament book of the Gospel of John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, not that John. It's a little bit later on in the New Testament. First John is the first of three letters, um, and we're going to land in chapter 5, 1 John chapter 5. We're going to land there momentarily. Um, today, we are wrapping up a series uh, called We Need to Talk, where we've been taking a look at uh, this letter of First John from the New Testament that was written to the believers in the province of Asia. And it was written to warn them about the rise of false teachings, particularly um, the false teaching of Gnosticism that was creeping into the church. And then also to encourage the believers to live out a true and authentic faith in Christ. And as a part of this letter, John presents three kind of litmus tests, if you will, uh, that serve as kind of the three legs of of a stool for the foundation that he's trying to build um, that work together to support a real authentic faith in the life of the believer. Each one of these tests, so to speak, is dependent on the other. And so to have only one or two of them would make one's faith incomplete and based purely on pretense rather than authenticity. And we've discussed two of these litmus tests already. A couple weeks ago, um, we talked about the importance of walking in obedience, that obedience is the first one of these tests. Um, And then last week, we talked about what it looks like to walk in love, that obedience and love are the... um the first two of those tests. If you missed any of those messages, um, you can go back on our YouTube channel or our podcast and watch or listen. I would encourage you to do that. But today, we are going to take a look at this third and final litmus test that goes along with walking in obedience and walking in love, and that is walking in truth, walking in truth. So 1 John chapter 5, picking up in verse 6. Um, The New Living Translation reads this way, And Jesus Christ was revealed as God's Son by his baptism in water and by shedding his blood on the cross. Not by water only, but by water and blood. And the Spirit, who is truth, confirms it with this testimony. Now, verses 7 and 8 are particularly important Um, for what we're going to talk about for the remainder of today. So pay close attention here. Verse 7 says, So we have these three witnesses, the Spirit, the water, and the blood, and all three agree. Since we believe human testimony, surely we can believe the greater testimony that comes from God, and God has testified about his Son. All who believe in the Son of God know in their hearts that this testimony is true. 
And those who don't believe this are actually calling God a liar because they don't believe what God has testified about his son. And this is what God has testified. He has given us eternal life, and this life is in his son. Whoever has the son has life. Whoever does not have God's son does not have life. Now, that's John, and he, he's, he's writing on this subject of truth and presenting it um, as something of a great deal of importance to the believers that he is writing to. And so trickle down uh, thousands of years later, and here we are, and that same topic of truth is something that is of a great, uh, of a great deal of importance to, to you and to me today. And, and perhaps the, the fight for truth is the most bloody battleground that war is being waged upon today. There, there was once a time in the not-so-distant past where truth was considered as something to be a definitive absolute that existed. Yet, with the rise of postmodernism and um, other things of that ilk over the past few decades, we've seen an acceleration in the shifting of mindsets and attitudes from what is the truth to what is my truth. So this, this shift has taken place. And so in, in order for us to establish, um, you know, a, a, an, an equal playing field, a, a level playing field, a, a, a baseline of sorts for, for us to build off of, we have to then, um, f- for the remainder of the message today, we've got to come to an agreement on uh, this idea of well, what is truth. What is truth? And so when we look in the dictionary, um, we, we see that truth is a verified or indisputable fact. Okay, it's a verified or indisputable fact. And then this is a Christian church, and I am a Christian pastor. And so for our purposes this morning, we are going to look no further than God's word, the Bible, for the definition of truth. Because we believe at this church that this is the ultimate and supreme source of all truth. And this is what the Bible says about the topic of truth. First of all, the Bible says that God's son, speaking of Jesus says that God's son is truth. In John 14, verse 6, Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, some of you are quoting it already, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. The Bible says about itself that God's word is truth. John 17, 17 says, Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word which is truth. The Bible also says that God's spirit is truth. In John 16, 13, we read, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. So the Bible reveals to us these things about truth, that God's son, Jesus Christ, is truth, that God's word, the Bible itself, is truth, and that God's spirit, the Holy Spirit, is the spirit of truth and proclaims the truth and teaches the truth and leads us in the direction of all truth. And then we learn that that knowledge of this truth, when we embrace this truth in our own lives, that it leads to 
freedom in the life of the believer. John 8, 32 says, and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So a couple thoughts just about that uh, that, that we need to establish before we move further in this today is, is simply this. When, when we choose to live by something other than God's word, whether knowingly, consciously, or subconsciously, we are declaring that a different truth exists. When we choose to live by something other than God's word, we are declaring that a different truth exists. And if knowing the truth sets us free, then to ignore or to deny that truth would then hold us captive. And so you and I, we have a choice when it comes to the truth. We can either accept it or we can reject it. It's that simple. When it comes to the truth, we all have a choice. We can either accept it or we can reject it. It is that simple. And a current example or a couple current examples, um, maybe you've been following the news here recently and and, um, how this applies to us specifically um, right here in 2022. Um, There's some things floating around in the news, some stuff that I just feel like I need to bring to our attention. And um, it plays well into uh, today's topic for our message Um, Perhaps you've heard of Amy Schneider. Um, Amy Schneider is the most successful female Jeopardy contestant ever. Uh, She recently completed a 40-game win streak in January of this year and amassed winnings totaling $1.3 million. Maybe you've heard of Rachel Levine. Rachel Levine is an American pediatrician and a four-star admiral in the United States Public Health Service Commission Corps. She has served as the United States Assistant Secretary for Health since March 26th of 2021. She was recently named uh, a few weeks ago as one of USA Today's Women of the Year for 2022, which recognizes women who have made a significant impact in their various fields. Maybe you've heard of uh, Leah Thomas, who is a student athlete from the University of Pennsylvania, who earlier this month won an NCAA Division I Swimming National Championship in the women's 500-yard freestyle. The problem with these women that are in the news here of recent days is that um, none of them, in fact, are women. Uh, They are all biological males. Yet, according to the national media... You and I, we're supposed to celebrate them because of their bravery in choosing to live out their truth. That even though they are biologically male, that they are choosing to identify as women. And and we're supposed to, to celebrate that as if it's something that's good and right and that should be happening in our culture, even though it's actually a, a bold-faced lie. And, and I know some of you might be thinking, wait a minute, Pastor Blake, didn't you just preach on love last week? And to say something like that, like that, that's not very loving. 
is it? Like, like to just look at somebody and talk about the, the lifestyle that they're living and the choices that they're making and, and to stand on a, on a public platform and, and stage and proclaim and call those, those people by name and say that the way that they're living is based on a lie. That's not very loving. And I will uh, politely beg to differ with you. Because I think, I believe that sometimes, often, the most loving thing that we can do is to call a lie a lie and to call truth the truth. Because in 1 Corinthians 13, in 1 Corinthians 13, where Paul is laying out the guidelines and the measuring stick for what love looks like. We talked about this last week. It says, love rejoices when the truth wins out. That is the biblical definition of love. And for anybody that's here, anybody watching online, anybody within earshot, you can cancel me if you want to. I don't give a flip. I'm going to proclaim and live by the truth of God and his word. We take this a step further, um, particularly here in the state of Florida. Um, No doubt uh, we're no strangers to this whole gender and sexuality debate. Um, Last week, our governor, Ron DeSantis, signed into law the parental rights in education bill, which will take place on July 1st. Uh, take effect on July 1st. And, and um, this bill, which has been dubbed by the national media, the Don't Say Gay Bill, um, the, the mainstream media calls it that, uh, it prohibits Florida educators from teaching about sexual orientation or gender identity um, in kindergarten through third grade. And then shortly after that uh, was signed, um, the Walt Disney Corporation, which I don't know if you've heard of them at all. They're also, in case... They're also a major player here in Florida and on the worldwide landscape as well. Um, they clapped back uh, at, at Governor DeSantis by overtly standing in opposition to this new law and, and just laying their cards on the table in favor of overturning the bill and supporting the inclusion of sexual orientation and gender identity education for kids as early as preschool. In a recent meeting of top Disney executives and shareholders held to address the passing of this new bill, one Disney executive is reportedly pushing for a minimum, a minimum of 50% of the characters in upcoming Disney programming to be representatives of the LGBTQIA community. Eventually, we're going to run out of letters. Um, That just keeps getting longer and longer. Uh, Also in that meeting... An executive producer for content, which is primarily for preschool programming, is quoted as saying that Disney leadership, and I quote, has been so welcoming to my not-at-all-secret gay agenda. I don't have to be afraid to, like, let's have these two characters kiss in the background. I was just, wherever I could, just basically adding queerness to projects. The Disney agenda is clear to make these kinds of lifestyles that are based on lies and stand in opposition to the truth of God's word to appear as common, as normal, and as natural. Yet in in a recent study conducted by Gallup, results show that while the average American believes that 
one in four people, or roughly 25%, identifies as a member of the LGBTQIA community. Those numbers are, in fact, closer to just 5% of the population. And so what we have here, friends, is an all-too-familiar case of the tail wagging the dog. And this morning, I stand with and echo the thoughts of a friend of mine, Pastor Kevin Wallace, of Redemption to the Nations Church in Chattanooga, Tennessee, who uh, recently tweeted this. He said, I will decide the timing and the content of the education my children receive regarding sex and sexuality. We reject any curriculum developed by perverted minds who want to confuse and contaminate the God-given identity of our children. Kids are not the guinea pigs of their experiment, and the church best raise its voice and attention to this issue. Else we will wake up one day having to convince our sons and daughters of their identity. Be clear, be vocal, be biblical, but do not be afraid. That's what I came to proclaim this morning. This is not, and and for those of you who have attended here uh, for the four years that I've been the pastor, you will know that this is not a political platform. And so I'm not bringing any of this up in the name of politics. I'm bringing these things up in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and the truth of his word. And that's why we need to talk about some of this stuff because we are standing at a crossroads in America and in our world today and sadly Based on the track record of this nation, I'm not confident that we are going to choose the right path in moving forward. But the the truth of this is we, we did not get here overnight. We didn't just wake up all of a sudden and these things were at the forefront of the issues that you and I are facing and having to to deal with and figure out what we believe about and and where we stand on these things. That didn't just happen like that. It, it, It happened because over time we allowed some small uh, moral compromises and ethical compromises to creep in And we compromised the truth here, and we compromised it there, and in these small and and seemingly insignificant and subtle ways. And and then that's where we've gotten to, that's what's brought us to the place in which we stand and find ourselves today. And and the the book of Hebrews, it, it highlights this progression that has taken place. It starts with, with a drift. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 1 says, So we must listen very carefully to the truth that we have heard, or we may drift away from it. Moves on from drift to the hardness of heart. In Hebrews 3.13 it says, You must warn each other every day while it is still today, so that none of you will be deceived by sin and hardened against God. The progression continues from the hardness of heart to Uh, to turn into dullness of hearing. Hebrews 5.11, there is much more we would like to say about this, but it is difficult to explain, especially since you are spiritually dull and don't seem to listen. We move from the dullness of hearing to then deliberate sin. Hebrews 10.26 and 27, dear friends, if we deliberately continue sinning after we have received the knowledge of the truth, There is no longer any sacrifice that will cover these sins. There is only the terrible expectation of God's judgment and the raging fire that will consume his enemies. 
And so drift and hardness of heart and dullness of hearing and deliberate sin bring us to the place where there becomes an abject rejection of Jesus Christ. Hebrews 12, 25, be careful that you do not refuse to listen to the one who is speaking. For if the people of Israel did not escape when they refused to listen to Moses, the earthly messenger, we will certainly not escape if we reject the one who speaks to us from heaven. It's kind of like this, just an empty soda can here. You know, it's, it's pretty strong. I'm squeezing, you know, I mean, I'm not like, I'm not like, huge and swole or anything. I go to the gym. I work out a little bit. You know, I'm putting some pressure on it. And, and we start out in our faith and things, things are pretty strong. But then, but then the drift starts to take place. And it's just a little insignificant compromise. And, and, and if I turn it this way, see, you don't even see it. It still looks nice and neat and clean. Like everything is, is there and in place, but we begin to drift away from Jesus ever so subtly. And then our hearts begin to harden toward some of the things of God and the truths and the principles of his word. And pretty soon we, we get to the place where we're unable to distinguish the voice of the Holy Spirit from all the other noise and the distraction in our lives. And before we know it, the, the active pursuit of sin becomes a, a, a regular occurrence in our lives. And, and we'll do everything that we can to rationalize and justify it away so that we can welcome it, and eventually we get to the place where we reject our faith altogether and deny Jesus, and that's where we get crushed. All because we allowed just one little subtle compromise and said, oh, it's no big deal. It's no big deal. And then that snowballs and snowballs until we find ourselves in the place that we are today. And John, he takes a look at this and, and this, re, this ultimate rejection of Christ. And, and um, he, he refers to this as actually the spirit of Antichrist. Now, Antichrist, capital A, um, some of you may have heard of that. That's like a, a, a satanic superman, if you will, that's one day going to rise to power and claim earthly authority, who will lead the final rebellion of the world in opposition to Jesus. But this, the, the spirit of Antichrist, is, it, it's the, the spirit that embodies that being, it's, and it's already present in the world today. It's already something that you and I are struggling with. It's in our culture, it's in our society, it's, it's ingrained even into the life of the church. It's something that we wrestle with. And, and, um, and, and anti means both against, as in fighting against the eternal truth of God and his word, and then it also means, anti also means instead of. So it's, it's not only fighting against the truth of God's word, but it's substituting that truth with lies and things that are counterfeit. In, in 1 John chapter 2, verse 18, John writes this. He says, Dear children, the last hour is here. You have heard that the Antichrist is coming, and already many such Antichrists have appeared. And from this... We know that the last hour has come. And so as we stand here in these last days, and, and, you know, just from a logical standpoint, we are closer to the return of Christ than we have ever been before. 
But these last days, they began when Jesus ascended into heaven. And when, when, he, when he left this earth and the Holy Spirit came to dwell in the hearts of the believers, that, that began the last days. And so we find ourselves in these last days. And you and I, we need to be aware of the activity of the spirit of Antichrist that is taking place in our world in these last days. So, so what are the things that we're looking for? What are the things that we're looking for so that we can identify those and so that we can be sure that, that we are no part of them? Because we want to steer as, as we want to we stay as far away from that, steer clear from that as much as we possibly can. So um, if you're taking notes, perhaps you want to write these down. Um, three ways that we identify the spirit of the Antichrist in the last days. As it pertains to truth. Um, the first one of these comes to us out of 1 John 2, verse 19, where John writes, he says, These people left our churches, but they never really belonged with us. Otherwise, they would have stayed with us. When they left, it proved that they did not belong with us. So the, the first, the first uh, way that we recognize the spirit of Antichrist at work is departure from the fellowship. Departure from the fellowship. Uh, a recent study done by the Barna Group said that um, over the past two years, one in three believing, church-going, uh, you know, individuals has walked away from the faith. One in three, 33% of believers have walked away from the faith in the last two years. Uh, a, a Gallup poll recently conducted that shows that, that church membership um, in 2020, church membership dropped under 50%, which is the lowest percentage since that stat began being tracked in 1940, when Christ Walk Church began. The Institute for Family Studies um, did, did a study that shows in the last two years, the percentage of regular churchgoers has declined 6%, from 34% down to 28%. Meanwhile, the number of Americans who never or rarely attend church services outside of marriages and funerals rose 7%. And, and we can look at it all over, um, all over the United States and, and other places in, in the world, and, and churches two years, uh, over the past two years, they, they look vastly different. Um, this church included, but not, not just by itself. Um, churches look vastly different than they did uh, in 2019. And there's a lot of people that were here or that were a part of the church that they've just drifted. And we see the progression that started to take place. And, and I'm, I'm not here, to, I'm not pointing the finger at anybody. I'm not, I'm not you know, casting shame or guilt on anybody. I'm, I'm saying that as the pastor of a local church, I'm grieved by that. I'm heartbroken by what has taken place and what I'm seeing that is happening. And, and, and we'll go back to, to 1 John 5 where we talked about um, you know, we read at the beginning of this and, and, and those witnesses, we have, we have those, those three witnesses. The, those witnesses provide the, the remedy to the work of the Antichrist, the spirit of Antichrist within the church and within our society and in our communities. 
And, and the, the first one of those is the witness of, of, of the water, that where, where people have departed from the fellowship, the water reminds us that, that we are included in the fellowship. The water, speaking of, of, of water baptism, baptism is, is what identifies us with Jesus and connects us to the body of believers. Later this afternoon, I've got the privilege of baptizing um, three people who have made the decision to go public with their faith. And I'm so excited about that. And, and if, if, if you have placed your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, but you've never been baptized in water, what are you waiting on? That's your next step. It's, it's, it's to, to go public with your faith and, and to identify as a part of this family, this community of believers. Because the truth is, is that we cannot do Christianity. We cannot live this life separate from others. We just can't. We were created to be in community with each other from the very beginning. God said, it is not good for man to be alone. And the reason he, he calls the body of Christ, his, his people, is because we need each other. We need each other to be able to link arms and to stand side by side, back to back, shoulder to shoulder, in the face of adversity, to be able to stand for truth. We need each other to lean on and to depend on. As the community of believers and the body of Christ. And a lot of people say, oh, you know, that's no big deal. You don't, you don't have to be baptized to get into heaven. You don't, you don't have to. It's all just semantics and everything. My, my, my faith in Christ, it's a, it's, it's, it's a, it's, it's a private thing. It's a private. It's, just, it's, it's, it's me. And, and that's simply not true. Your faith in Christ is, is personal, but it is not, it is not private. Your faith in Christ should be a public matter. Rick Warren said that faith in Jesus must be personal, but it cannot be private. It cannot be private. So it's time for us in these last days, if we're going to stand for truth, we, we've got to stand up and, and, and be counted and recognized as a part of this body of believers so that we can depend on each other to stand for truth and not drift away from the herd. So number one, we recognize the work of the spirit of Antichrist in the departure of the fellowship. Number two, we identify the spirit of the Antichrist in the last days through the denial of faith. Through the denial of the faith. 1 John 2, 20 through 25. But you are not like that. For the Holy One has given you his spirit. And all of you know the truth. So I'm writing to you not because you don't know the truth, but because you know the difference between truth and lies. And who is a liar? Anyone who says that Jesus is not the Christ. Anyone who denies the Father and the Son is an antichrist. Anyone who denies the Son doesn't have the Father either. But anyone who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. So you must remain faithful to what you've been taught from the beginning. If you do, you will remain in fellowship with the Son and with the Father. And in this fellowship, we enjoy the eternal life he promised us. And yet we read that, but, but we see people all over the church 
People inside of the church, these are people that, that claim to be believers in Jesus. They've, they've started to deconstruct their faith. They're breaking it down into a bunch of pieces, and then they're, they're deciding which pieces that they want to pick up and put back together to, to form a new faith and a new outlook and a, a new way of, of viewing their Christianity and, and their trust in Jesus. They've, but they've, they've made it in the process. They've made it about something other than Jesus, about something other than taking up our cross, about something other than dying to self. The truth is that, that when, when people do that and when they, when they choose to deconstruct and live that way, ultimately what they're saying is, is that they want, they want the, the benefit of following Christ. They, they want the blessings of Jesus without the burden of the cross, which caused them to holiness. And those two things are not mutually exclusive. They, they are, are prerequisites of each other. That if we're going to live for Jesus, we also have to embrace his cross. That, that we cannot live for Jesus while turning our back on the cross and embracing sin instead. And, and the witness for this, um, when we're talking about a denial of, of the faith, is, is the blood. The first witness was the water through baptism. The second witness is the blood. And, and the blood, ultimately, the blood is revealed to us through the word of God. Because let's face it, you and I, we weren't there when Jesus died on the cross. We didn't see with our own eyes and experience in our own lives him bleeding on the cross for you and for me. So we have to rely on the testimony of those who were there. And so the word of God reveals to us the work of God. And so if, 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 we're, going to, if we're going to be sure that, that we're not living a lifestyle that, it's denying, that, that is denying the faith, then we've got to be sure that our, our, our lifestyle is grounded on the word of God, which reveals to us his work, which, which says that, that he went to the cross to, to bleed and to die in our place and, and to be placed in the grave. And then on the third day, he arose from the dead so that we could be set free from death, hell, and the grave and the power of sin that has a grip on our life that is revealed to us through God's word. So the work of the Antichrist, we identify it as seeing the departure from the fellowship, the denial of faith, and then finally, number three, the deceit of the faithful. The deceit of the faithful. John continues in 1 John 2, verses 26 and 27. He says, I'm writing these things to warn you about those who want to lead you astray. Let me just pause right there. The devil wants to lead you astray. He wants to steal. He wants to kill. And he wants to altogether destroy your life. And he will stop at nothing to lead you astray from the faith. And to deceive you. And so that's why we've got to take this so seriously. That's why a message like this is so important. Because the enemy wants to lead us astray. But John says in verse 27, he says, But you have received the Holy Spirit, and he lives within you. So you don't need anyone to teach you what is true. 
For the Spirit teaches you everything you need to know. And what he teaches is true. It is not a lie. So just as he has taught you, remain in fellowship with Christ. Sadly, since so many believers and just so many people in general here of late believe the lie that they're the smartest person in the room. And we've gotten to the place, as I, I mentioned earlier, we're, we're so caught up and so focused on, on living out my truth rather than living by the truth. And that, that, that we've, we've believed in, in, in our own thought process and, and in our own ideas and in our own values. And, and what's happened is, is that, that whether by choice or, or even inadvertently, we've, we've turned our backs on our identity in Jesus that is revealed to us through the power and the work of the Holy Spirit. And instead, we've become self-reliant on our own power and our own abilities. And that may work out for a time. But the day will come when that's going to fall short. The day will come when that's going to fall short. And, and it's, it's this deception that, that we, can, we can live how we want to live and still be okay. That's not true. The only way we're going to make it, friends, is if we live by the truth of God's word and by the principles that are found inside of it. That's the best way to live. It's also, from my experience, and in my opinion, the only way to live. It's the only way we're gonna make it. Because our strength, our knowledge, our ability is one day going to fall short. And we are going to be left found wanting. And, and the witness here is the Spirit. The Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, is, is what empowers us to stand for and to live by the truth of God's Word. The Spirit of God is what resonates with our spirit and reveals to us what is true and what is right and what is just. That's why when, when, we, when we see something, when we, when we hear something that's taking place in, 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 in the world or something that someone says or, or an idea that someone believes or whatever, when we hear that and we go, mm, something inside of us goes, I'm not sure that's right. That's the Holy Spirit nudging us to lean into it. And, 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 and what we do in, in order to, to explore that is, is we go back to God's word in the midst of God's people. You see how all of that works together? To be sure that that, that that check in our spirit, that it wasn't just bad tacos, right? That it's like the Holy Spirit speaking to us because the, the Holy Spirit is not going to speak anything to us that is not in line with this, with this book right here. And so we, we have a, a system of, of, of checks and balances and we have a body of believers to depend on to surround ourselves with so that we can live and stand for truth in these last days. And on this battleground of truth that we find ourselves in, our responsibility is simply faithfulness. 
That's it. It's faithfulness. A, a word that comes up over and over and over there in, in some of the passages that we've just read is, is the word remain. The word remain. How do we remain in fellowship with, with Christ? Well, it's by faithfully remaining in fellowship with his body. Let's not depart from the fellowship. But let's be intentional and purposeful about gathering together in churches and in homes and getting in circles, being around other believers. We remain in fellowship with Christ by faithfully remaining in fellowship with his word. It's the guidebook for our life. Let's be sure to read it and to study it and to learn it and to apply it to our lives because it's showing us how to live. How do we remain in fellowship with Christ? We, we remain in fellowship with Christ by faithfully remaining in fellowship with his spirit. That we get to the place where we realize we are 100% depraved and inept. And if not for the work of the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit within us, that we're incapable of doing anything. We're incapable of living the life that God's called us to live. That, that we've got to have the Holy Spirit. And we will stop at nothing to embrace his work in our lives. Because here's the truth. When we'll be faithful to God, God will be faithful to us every single time. When we're faithful to God, when we just remain as a part of his body, we remain engaged with his word, we remain embracing the power of his Holy Spirit. When we do those things faithfully, God will respond faithfully to us. Alistair Begg says this, he says, the Christian life is not a series of 100-yard sprints. It is like a cross-country race. It's long obedience in the right direction. It's long obedience in the right direction. What that looks like is every day I wake up and I faithfully and obediently pursue the truth of God and his word. And then I do that over and over and over and over and over and over. Long obedience in the right direction. You and I, we've been called to remain in the truth. Remain in the truth. We've got a choice. When it comes to truth, we can either embrace it or we can deny it. God's word is calling us to remain. Perhaps you're here today. Maybe you're watching with us online and you've never surrendered your life to live in accordance with the truth of God's word. You've never stepped into covenant relationship with your heavenly father through the work of his son, Jesus Christ on the cross and at the grave. Today, you'd like to do that in accordance with the testimony of John that says, this is what God has testified, that he has given us eternal life and this life is in his son. If you'd like to accept that free gift of God this morning and you'd like to enter into that relationship with your heavenly father through belief on his son, Jesus Christ as Lord and savior, I invite you all over this house watching with us this morning to pray this simple prayer along with me. Can we pray together? Heavenly Father, 
I admit that I'm a sinner and that I'm lost without you. I believe that Jesus died in my place, making a way for us to have a relationship. And today I choose to follow Jesus and his way for the rest of my life. Amen. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Christ Walk Church podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out on future episodes. To find out more information about Christ Walk Church, including our service times, how to connect with us on social media, and the ministry opportunities we have for you and your family, simply visit our website at thechristwalk.com. Thanks again for listening, and don't forget, because of Jesus, the best is yet to come.